Lots of joy this morning. For our scripture reading this morning, we are looking at the first chapter of Acts. Acts 1. The first 14 verses. Acts 1, beginning at verse 1. Jesus taken up into heaven. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after instructions, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives on a Sabbath day walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James son of Alphaeus and Simon the Zealot, and Judas son of James. They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary the mother of Jesus and with his brothers. going to move through this passage together, just reflecting on how it speaks into our lives as we worship the Ascended Lord. Congregation of Jesus Christ, this is the traditional Ascension Day reading. Just like at Christmas we read from Luke 2, and at Easter we read from Luke 23 and 24. So at Ascension, Acts 1 gives us the account of Jesus ascending into heaven. It's uh, not a coincidence that we actually install elders and deacons, youth elders today. It says here in Acts 1 verse 2, 
until the day Jesus was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. There is the picture of Jesus being taken up, but after he had given instructions to the apostles, to the leaders he had chosen. And so that work continues. The choosing of leaders by the Lord Jesus, the ascended Lord. Sure, he's in heaven, but by his spirit he works among us in our hearts, in our church. And so we see today that exact same thing going on because the exact same living Lord Jesus is ruler of this church. And so we see that beautifully before us this morning. That's also part of why celebrating Jesus' ascension is so important. There are churches that have have made it uh, much less, have even kind of overlook it almost. You have Christmas and Easter, but what is ascension? We, we as a, a Reformed church recognize that moves from Christmas to Easter to ascension to Pentecost is, is how we see the Lord Jesus working. And so to highlight the ascension is one uh, characteristic of the Reformed churches. And even when I joined August in Ensenada, and we were talking, what should we uh, do? August was leading a, a Sunday morning service. I was doing a Thursday evening. And so I thought, too, I'll bring an Ascension Day message. Because the tradition there, not as strong in that particular detail of the faith. Strong in faith, but maybe there to be encouraged. And so I had this Ascension Day message. I wondered what would happen. And, and they, those... Uh, they, all of a sudden they came up with that song, hey, that, that Jesus reigns, Jesus reigns. And they were, were singing that, and I thought, man, yes, all right, they got it, right? And so in their situation, which is much more uncertain than ours, the Mexican government, the Mexican police, the instability of, of, of drug things going on, in the uncertainty of their situation, it is very dear to their hearts that they know that someone, Jesus, is in control, that he reigns. And so that sense of ascension, so dear to their hearts. And then August Pick, he had something too that tied into that. And we sang that song again on the Sunday. And so it is such a comforting understanding. Yeah, Jesus has, has gone up, but he reigns over all things. So it's not he's gone and we are left alone. He is taking the place of authority. So I want to just let that account of ascension encourage us this morning. Recognizing, first of all, uh, when did the ascension take place? The ascension took place 40 days after Easter. So Jesus rose from the dead. And then for 40 days, it says, he appeared to them in verse 3 of Acts 1. Jesus gave many convincing proofs that he was alive over that period of 40 days. And so there is a, a sense of, of the uncertainty that, that they had. They had seen him die. They had buried him, and just to be convinced that is he actually the one they're seeing? 
Is he actually the one they're touching? Is he actually the one they're talking to? It might take a little bit. It might take a few days. And so, so for 40 days, very gracious, very loving, Jesus speaks to them, convinces them that he is alive. And so that comes back to us as well in a way. Are we, even now, truly convinced that Jesus is alive? That he is the living Lord who watches over us. So that connection between Easter and Ascension is there. We celebrate, we trust in, we know the living Lord who is the Lord of our lives. One of the things that, that gets stressed here in Acts chapter 1 is that he appeared to them and, and he spoke to them about the kingdom of God. He spoke to them about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is what he spoke about before he died. The kingdom of God is what he spoke about through his entire ministry. When he was alive, he spoke about the kingdom of God. He died, he rose again, and did he speak about something different? Did he come up with a whole new something or other? No. He spoke again about the kingdom of God because he is the same person, the same Lord Jesus who lived, who died, who rose again. And so even in his speaking the same about the kingdom of God, about his being, the King of kings and Lord of lords, and his establishing his kingdom. That great truth was very encouraging to the disciples and to us all, even now, as we celebrate ascension and recognize that Jesus is establishing his kingdom. The disciples felt that Jesus was with them again in the work that he had called them to do. Jesus is with us in the work that he calls us to do, the living Lord Jesus. But they do, they do run a little bit stuck. In verse 6, they ask him again, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? That's the same thing they asked him when he was on earth. They asked him that on Palm Sunday. They said too, are you coming as king now? And throw out those Romans. And, and we, can kind of, we can kind of imagine too that, that once, once they welcome the, the, the living Lord, he is, he, is, he is raised from the dead. He is, he is demonstrating even more power. He is appearing and disappearing. He is coming through locked doors. He is, he is more powerful than he was even before. So maybe they're thinking... This, this resurrected Lord might be the one now to establish Israel and, and to throw out the Romans. And so are you now going to establish a, a, a small earthly presence here in Israel? Their vision is just a little limited. And that's, that's easy that happens, that happens. It's easy then 
It's easy now. We can say those disciples didn't see the bigger picture. They didn't understand what it all meant. And so we often also, with the ascended Lord in mind, still don't, don't see, don't understand what he all does and can do. So we, for example, in our lives or in the church, we can get, get very quickly down and distracted by things that, that we wish would go a little better. And then, and then right away we feel, oh, Jesus isn't there, it's no good. And we are lost. Or we feel sometimes, too, things going a little better. And really, yeah, what, what, what is that in terms of how we are doing? Well, maybe, but what does Jesus do? What is he doing for us and for the church? To see him as the ascended Lord... It's not just to, to jump a little higher, but to rise, to rise a little higher in faith, in our understanding of who he is and what he does. His work in a wide variety of ways, to open our hearts and minds to his work. It says in Acts 1 verse 9, uh, he was taken up before their very eyes. Before their very eyes. So they, they see him rising, ascending. Before our very eyes this morning, Jesus is doing great things. Do, do we see it? Do we see it? Even right here, right now, this morning. Do you ever go out to, uh, to the mountains here, to the west? I like to go to uh, the mountains out by Abraham Lake if, uh, if I get a chance. It always amazes me just to be out in the mountains. If you go out, out west here, you can climb. You can climb, say, Colosseum Mountain. Have any of you climbed Colosseum? Yes, we have a awesome. Colosseum is right by Nordic. It's the first one you get to, right? Park on the west side. You make the trail down over to the south, and then you make your way up. And, and as you start going up, you, you can start to see the town site of Norday. And as you get a little higher through the trees, it opens up again at one point, and you can see the whole mine site. There's a whole history there. And if you're driving the road, you don't see it. You have no idea what's been done. Just like so very often, we, we just go through life. We have no idea all that God is doing just over there, just over here. And when you get up, when you get up to the top of Colosseum, then you're on the, you're on the southern peak, so to speak, and you, you have to make your way to the north side. There's a, there's a higher piece at the north, and there's a ridge that you walk right at the top. And the ridge is, is just about at the tree line, so the trees are very small. And as you walk, you look, you look to the west, and you can see it all. You can see the road, you see Abraham Lake, you see the turn towards Saskatchewan Crossing, and, and it's beautiful, it's amazing. And you look immediately to the east, right from that same point, and you can see out across the foothills, you can almost see Rocky Mountain House, 
It's as if you can see right out onto the prairie. You can see the whole thing. As you ascend, you can see more clearly. As you see the Lord Jesus ascend, you can see the long view. You can, you can see what Jesus saw as he ascended. He did see Jerusalem. He saw Israel. But he ascended further. He ascended to heaven, it says, the angels say in verse 11. That's higher than the International Space Station. I really enjoyed seeing the pictures when Chris Hatfield was on the space station and he sent pictures back of Earth and you could tell, right? You could see certain spots. Hey, that looks like the boot of Italy or hey, that, some of it we could recognize even. But you can see so much more. And Jesus is higher yet. Jesus sees all. So the ascension gives us that big vision of the power and the authority of Jesus, pictured already in the Old Testament, Psalm 110, echoed in Jesus' words, Matthew 28, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. That's the, the symbolic picture of, of Jesus ascending. He has all authority over everything. That's tremendous. They try to capture it. Ephesians 1, 21 and 22 tries to capture it this way. He's far above all rulers and authorities and powers and dominion. Every title that can be given, not only in the present, but in the future. So he holds the future. God placed all things under his feet, that's Jesus, and appointed him to be head over everything for the sake of the church. So it comes back to the church. So things work together for, for the benefit of the witness of Jesus Christ, which the church stands for. So what a comfort to, to see that, to recognize that, to, to be part of that. And then just to be reminded what Jesus said about the kingdom, the visible kingdom. Jesus said... The kingdom of heaven, the kingdom that he is establishing, it's like a mustard seed. And though it starts small, though it often seems small, we think too, we are just a small group here. What can we do? The kingdom is like a mustard seed. There are small efforts everywhere, but look how it has gone out. Jesus at work. Be encouraged. And we see from our church too, Bethel. Bethel started a church in Pinocchio. The kingdom is like a mustard seed. It spreads, it grows. Bethel started a church here at Wolf Creek. Well, why don't we just keep those people here? Let's just keep them all right here. The kingdom of heaven goes out keeps going out. And so to see our place as the Lord Jesus continues to work in visible ways. Jesus also says the kingdom is like yeast. Matthew 13, verse 33. I was talking to this Wednesday. We had a, the, the gentleman from World Missions dropped by. Lawrence Luchenboer. 
nice fellow, raising funds for our world mission effort. And he just shared with me that they had a report back from missionary in China. And the missionary in China reported back that he had joined small church in China, one of these secret underground churches. And that, that they, they totaled up the, the kind of fellowship there of those who were part of that church. And it came to 7,000 people. 7,000 people. And nobody knows. And we can't share the name of the missionary. And you think God isn't doing anything over there. And you're discouraged. But he is. The kingdom is like yeast, and it's working in amazing ways. And so, also here, in our church, in our community, Jesus is working in many quiet ways. You don't notice. You don't see. Jesus is still working in amazing ways to do amazing things in neighborhoods, in our community, in the lives of those around us. And so the ascension encourages us with that bigger vision. There are several things mentioned right here in Acts 1 that tie into things that we don't often think about in terms of the ascension. The account ends in verse 10. As Jesus has ascended, the disciples are dismissed by angels. It says they were looking intently in the sky when suddenly two men, two angels, stood beside them. We're given a sense there of Jesus' reign also over an invisible part of the world. Are there angels? Yes. Have you seen them? Well, no. Well, I guess they don't exist. No, they exist. What do they do? They serve Jesus. Where do they go? They go where he sends them. If you talk to the oldest member of this congregation, Grace Vanderveen, she will share with you the fact that when she was ill at age 11 and her fellow siblings were dying of scarlet fever beside her, she saw an angel standing at the foot of her bed. And she heard the word of encouragement and God has kept her for 105 years when she should have died her siblings at the age of 11. There are things, powers, authorities around us encouraging us that we recognize as the word, the work of the risen ascended Lord Jesus. In verse 12, the disciples go back to Jerusalem. And in obedience to Jesus' words, they take a Sabbath day walk. That's in there as a reference to their obedience to the Bible. They understood from the biblical revelation that there was a specific distance you could travel on the Sabbath day. And they were obedient to that understanding. And that was good. And they were obedient overall to the Bible as the Word of God. You think the ascended Lord doesn't need the Bible, but he chooses to work through his word. 
He continued to guide us by his word today. And so we need to recognize that as a gift of the ascended Lord and find him speaking to us by his word. Verse 13, there's the list of the disciples. Uh, the list, like the names of people we talked about today who, who stepped forward in service of the Lord. There is a sense that they are just very ordinary people. And you might think the ascended Lord doesn't need us, doesn't need them. And he doesn't. Really, he doesn't. But he chooses to work through people, ordinary people like me, like you. That's another affirmation of the ascension, to serve the all-powerful Lord, but to be used by him in his service. That's a wonderful comfort as those who serve, and all of us who seek to serve go forward the Lord Jesus working through us, in us, by his Spirit. And finally, verse 14, that aspect of prayer. They join continually in prayer. And so we recognize this morning, too, prayers for office bearers were answered, the prayers of, of the church as we go forward. We continue to be in contact with the ascended Lord by prayer. That's our close connection. That's our understanding. And so to continue to be people of prayer, prayers that Jesus hears, prayers that Jesus answers, prayers that Jesus continues to work in us and in this world in response to our prayers. So again this morning, you and I as ordinary people, in obedience to the word of God and faithful in prayer, we want to go forward in the confidence of serving our ascended Lord Jesus. Amen. We're going to sing from number 428. 428, O oh, worship the King.